In the evenings, we've been trying to check in with local business owners and see how they're adjusting to this stay-at-home order and to this COVID-19 pandemic. And some business owners have been able to stay open. Some have made the decision to temporarily close. And feel like that's an important conversation. You're always welcome to share a business that you think we should talk to, 312-981-7200. You can always call us or, or text us, and we can always follow up with that business as well. But a very popular you know, it's it's actually been a, a mecca for craft beer since 1992 and wonderful food kind of representing the food culture from Belgium and the owner of Hop Leaf Bar in Andersonville. Michael Roper is with us and Michael is kind of the person that you would want to live in your neighborhood. I'm sure that the alderman there are, is, is really grateful that he's there because he's always giving back to the community. He's also the type of restaurant owner, bar owner that you would want to work for. It seems that, you know, just, there's just not a person that I've ever met that's had a negative thing to say about Michael Roper, which is a pretty incredible thing. Um, so, Michael, hi, how are you? I'm okay. I'm, I'm healthy. Yeah. And I guess that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. What has um, your routine been? I, and how have you, I know that you've made the decision to temporarily close. How did you come to that decision and what's your routine been like? Well, um, you know, we, we did close on uh, March 17th. And, um, you know, we figured that um, our business model really was not, it didn't mix well with delivery and and curbside pickup of food and things like that. People come to Hopleaf, it's more of an experiential thing. Um, yes, we have really great food, but it's it's all about sort of the camaraderie, the um, the experience, and of course, you know, pairing the food with beer. Um, we just felt that you know we we weren't, didn't put, you can't really put Hopleaf in a box. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did decide to close, and um, it's been, you know, it's very strange. Um, I actually have been in the bar every single day since then, and some days, pretty long days, um, keeping an eye on things and, um, you know, doing some little um, cleanup work. We did, um, we did sell off a lot of our bottled inventory. Okay. Uh, and, um, you know, just to get some revenue coming in. And uh, so, you know, but I, I do spend a little bit of time there. I'll be back there later tonight, as a matter of fact. Wow. Okay. So doing a lot of paperwork and checking on the place? Yeah, you know, the the, the various loan programs and things like that, um, the application processes are, uh, and, you know, they're pretty complicated. And um, at this point, I really don't have any help. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, and we haven't got any of that uh, assistance yet, but, um, you know, we're working on that. And then, um, you know, we have a pretty big and complicated physical plant in a 120-year-old building. Um, it's really good to keep an eye on it, and the reason that I'll go back tonight is that we had a very big rainstorm, and a few days after the closing, we had a similar rainstorm, and we had some plumbing back up. Wow. <laughs> and I actually had to bring our maintenance staff back in to clean up because it actually pushed um, the roof rainwater um, through the grease trap. 
And, uh, it was a mess. As though you don't have anything else to worry about. That happens, too. How many yep. em- employees do you have? And then did you, did you decide to lay off or furlough everyone? So we had uh, 65 employees when on, that, on the 16th. Uh, we did lay everybody off. Um, most of them have been able to get unemployment. Um, you know, we hope that um, at the end of this that, you know, we can hire back as many of them as possible. Um, some of them have other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of them have have found things to do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard on everybody. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, my, my employees are also very social people. We're all, you know, we're in the hospitality business right? and we like that. And if you have no one to be hospitable to, <laughs> it, it drives you nuts. It's soul sapping, especially for you when you're, that's your livelihood and it's your, it's your heart and soul. It is. And it's very strange. So I, I do spend a fair amount of time at night there. And some of it is, I feel like, less so now, but at first I was a little nervous about, you know, perhaps that there would be some vandalism or extra Mm -hmm. break-ins and things like that. So I was playing the role of a night watchman. (laughs) And um, fortunately, that hasn't really been much of an issue around town. Um, But anyway, when I'm there, you know, it's midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night or something, and there's nobody in there. I mean, it's so weird. It's so quiet. Oh, I can only imagine, especially for for you, because you are you're an owner that's frequently um, at your establishment, and it's it's always great to be able to say hi to you when you know you you're popping in for a great beer and, and muscles, of course. Um, speaking of muscles, which you're, it's one of the items, food items that you're really known for. I know at the start of this, you had such a inventory of mussels that you decided to do something unique with them. Um, yeah, we, we had about 120 pounds of them, um, on, you know, that we had ordered thinking that it would be a you know typical weekend. And we did sell off quite a few, but you know, we wound up with 120 pounds left over. So, um, you know, that is, you know, there's perishable food and then there's muscles. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you can't, we can't like think of something, you know, you know, to do with them over time. We need to get rid of them right away. So, uh, you know, I went on social media and I, I we put them all into, um, you know, like two pound bags and, um, and then we, we had a lot of other things. We had a lot of celery and shallots and bay leaves so we put together sort of a, a packet so that people could cook them with the proper ingredients. And we had some of our house white chips. We had a little bag of that. And the response was enormous. I mean, people, <laughs> uh, they were gone very, very quickly. Do you happen to know who drove the farthest to come and collect their pounds of mussels? Oh, I, you know, I wish I did. <laughs> I bet someone drove very uh, far. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I'm sure they did. I mean, a lot of it was neighborhood people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, we just felt like that that was the number one perishable food that we had to deal with. And then we had a little bit of time to find homes for the 800 pounds of potatoes we had on hand, the 200 pounds of 
of um, onions and, you know, all the other things that, you know, we didn't want to go to waste. And in fact, nothing went to waste. Oh, that's great to hear. We mentioned all the employees that you had to lay off. Um, You also mentioned that you've been at the bar restaurant working on loan applications. We've talked to enough restaurateurs and, you know, owners at this point to know that the PPP program and and the SBA loans uh, have been really rife with a lot of issues, maybe just really ill-tailored to help out small mom-and-pop restaurants. How's the experience been for you? Well, you know, I, I I actually will give a little bit of, um, you know, I'll have be understanding a little bit because they put this together very, very quickly. They you, know, they, mm-hmm. you know, there was not a lot of time to iron out the details and it shows. I mean, it's it's not it's not an ideal program for a lot of businesses. It's a, a little complicated. It, um, it some of the aspects of it that you would have to uh, do in order to get the loan forgiven are not very realistic. Um, however, um, you know, it's, it is a lifeline. And for some places, many places, it might be the difference between um, opening on June 1st or July 1st mm-hmm. and or uh, boarding up your place and walking away from it. Got it. And were you able to get a loan or? or so far, uh, we're still waiting. Okay. Um, so we don't know uh, what will happen. Um, you know, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm more hopeful than I was during the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, the fact that, that the SBA's um, computer system completely collapsed yesterday actually worked in our favor. Well, good to hear. Gave us a little bit more time. Yes. Well, that, that you know, that might have been a bad thing for a lot of people, but we're happy that it helped out Michael Roper of Hopleaf Bar. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Um, are you thinking, I've noticed that some, a lot of restaurants initially that weren't set up for delivery or takeout decided, okay, we're going to reassess, we're going to close, temporarily close, we're going to see, you know, how long the stay-at-home order is going to be. And then when the governor extended it, I've noticed that some restaurants have decided, okay, we're going to have to open up somehow, some way, and now are trying to do food delivery or, or uh, takeout. Is that something that you foresee in the future for Hop Leaf? I, d- I don't see it. Um, I, I just don't... Um you know, the thing is, for one thing, is that uh, I don't think the volume of business would be enough to warrant, you know, you know, we'd, we'd be starting all over. We don't have any perishable foods at all. Mm-hmm. So we would have to spend a lot of money to sort of bring us back to life and hire some employees back and, you know, all that kind of thing, not really knowing how successful it would be. And we have looked around at some of our neighboring restaurants who, on the first round, did open up for um, curbside or delivery, and then after only a few days, some of them stopped. And I think they stopped because they said, you know, we're selling a little bit of food, but we're not really making any money. Right. So in the end, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, you you know, the the last thing that we could do now is is lose money, mm-hmm. and you know, food. While we're very proud of our food, 
the profit center of our concept is really the beverage end. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can't really, you know, sell you, you know, two or three pints of beer or a bottle of wine to have with your food, it's not, you know, the margins get to be pretty, pretty narrow. You said that you sold um, a lot of your bottled inventory, but what yep. about the the inventory that you had on draft? What happened oh. to that? So we, you know, uh, on um, the day we closed, we found ourselves with 83 kegs <laughs> of untapped beer wow. and 66 kegs of, of tapped beer. And that's a lot of beer. And um, I, you know, I have some, you know, fears that if this continues to go on and we're closed for a longer period of time, um, you know, a lot of that beer is not going to be at its best. Right. Um, so um, I have contacted uh, quality control people from several breweries that we um, have some of their products, and I've got some pretty good ideas about which beers are the most time-sensitive. And, you know, many of them aren't. I mean, you know, there's beers like Old Rasputin Imperial Stout. I could have that keg down there for two years, and it's it's not going to be a problem. But we do worry about the IPAs, the Pilsners, the Hellas beers, the Vienna lagers, and things like that. And we tried something last Wednesday. We did a growler sale, Mm -hmm. which we've never done before. And we did it in a way that was very safe. People, you know, they we had a window open and they told us what they wanted. And, you know, we had gloves on and masks and everything. And it was very little, you know, contact. Uh, It was pretty successful. And we sold through quite a bit of the more... Um, time-sensitive beers, and we'll probably do two or three more of those. Well, fantastic. And you'll uh, tell us on your website when you do? Yep, it's on the website and social media. We also, we have a lot of customers, you know, we have a pretty, you know, uh, we have a lot of big beer fans among our customers. Absolutely. And a lot of them have home um, draft systems or kegerators. We have sold... Uh, and, and really, I sold them at pretty much cost, just to move them along and stay fresh. We have sold 25 kegs. Fantastic to hear. Oh, Michael Roper, you're an institution, and so is your bar, the Hopleaf Bar in Andersonville. Stay tuned to uh, Hopleaf's website and also to their Facebook and social media pages to find out when you can go and get your growler filled. And hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, we'll be able to have a uh, fresh one on draft right there at the bar. Thanks, Michael, for being with us. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Absolutely.